As much as I love seeing both of your faces, I think if we kill the video, that might give us a better chance. <laughs> yeah. And then um I I feel like you're saying you don't want to look inside of the van, but whatever. Well, you know, being invited <laughs> in your van is a little creepy. Rhyme or free, it doesn't matter to me. It's my bad poetry. Good day, and welcome to My Bad Poetry, a podcast where we take a deep dive into our poems from youth, yesteryear, or even yesterday. Always asking the question, why in the world did I write this? I'm Aaron. And I'm Dave. And together this week, we are more than a little thankful to be joined by one who, in her first microchap, The Best Secret, in an erasure poem of a Stephen King novella, masterfully extracted the line, did I mention that I need you like a kidney transplant? Now in her newest work, New and Permanent, she strikes an amazing balance of humor and unflinching honesty in the face of chronic pain, motherhood, and the patriarchy. Frances Klein is a teacher in high school English, an assistant editor of Southern Humanities Review. Her poems can be found in over two dozen lit mags and sites, and of course, most importantly, has been published by the same literary press as yours truly from My Bad Poetry. Shout out to Roy Frenier. I think I nailed that. <laughs> Francis, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I especially appreciate being here to hear you say that journal name. Yeah, they're they're going to throw you out of this one now. Yeah, I, if if you want to remove me from your petites, um I understand. Um I think I butchered that. <laughs> we all understand. Yeah, yeah. Dave, have you been um playing in the dock here? No. Why would you say that? Uh, I'm I'm seeing a, an extra line here that I'm supposed to read. Yeah. I think that you might have written that. Then I will for sure read it then. And Dave is better than Aaron. Oh yeah. <laughs> Definitely wrote that yourself. Yeah. So Dave, being better than me, you get the honor of bringing us into the realm of bad poetry with <sighs> whatever you have brought for us today. <laughs> okay. So this is a, a very personal poem. I hope you can hear the, the aching pain in these lines. It's called Two Shelves. The prescription, a more radical justification Confessing yes, honest in its unification, canoeing the earth, model sacred grace, mere life reformed to the heart of chase. Oremus, I cry, forged twice in the mountains, giving courage to miracles, springing as fountains. I just have to say, this is my favorite chapter of The Hobbit. <laughs> <laughs> yes! You are correct. <laughs> Lifted it straight out of The Hobbit. I mean, I haven't read it for years, but I just, it takes me back. From oh, yeah, Bilbo's yeah. lips. To our hearts. <laughs> yes. Dave, what in the heck was that? I couldn't come up with any idea for a poem this week, so I picked two shelves off of my library at home and just picked random words and threw them onto a page haphazardly. Mm. That was incredible. <laughs> and it came out rhyming. Look at you. I know, right? That was pure, unadulterated luck. I, I don't know how that happened. That's the muse. <laughs> ah, yes. How long did that take you, Dave? <laughs> I'm going to say five minutes. 
it definitely took me longer than that, but I feel bad saying any longer than five <laughs> minutes because it's that terrible. I'm just picturing a movie montage where like the clock is going by and it's 2 a.m. and 3 a.m. and you're <laughs> just shaking your fist at the heavens. <laughs> Wiping sweat from my brow as I cross off another word. Really laboring. <laughs> now, now, Francis, this kind of brings us into um, something I mentioned in the intro. Your first mini chap was an erasure. Yeah, yeah. Poetry. I was going to ask this a lot later, but because Dave has inspired us with this random word from books. Um, Ouch. <laughs> you crafted a love story out of a Stephen King novella. How in the world did you do that? <laughs> Sheer luck. Uh, I wish I could say it was something more like masterful or that I like had this grand plan, but it was kind of luck. So I, uh, I teach high school and one of the classes that I teach is creative writing. Students at any age level love blackout poetry. <clears throat> and so a really good just like last minute lesson plan is always I just have a big stack of books that we use for erasure poetry and we will put on the live stream of the Monterey Bay Aquarium <clears throat> and we just so if you have never experienced they will live stream the jellyfish tanks and the uh like the squid tanks <laughs> and you really? can just like yeah it's it's wonderful on YouTube it's amazing so we would just like have these like angelic squid and jellyfish in the background and just like play chill music and do erasure and so I started doing that and just had grabbed Stephen King novella um, to use one day. And it was a good enough source that I like kept going back to it. So it's the Colorado kid, which is one of his like attempts to do like a, a very pulpy, um, like classic crime novel. Oh. Um, so there's, there's, yeah. So it's, and I, you know, I would consider myself like a Stephen King super fan, but it's, you know, it's fine. But there's just a lot of, because it's set in this little seaside town, there's a lot of really good, like, uh, nature descriptions and language. And I was just having so much fun kind of going through and picking out these words that I kept doing it. And eventually I had enough kind of linked pieces that I could put them together. But actually what I would do every time is I would just use a random number generator to give me a page number. Wow. Yeah. And then that's the page I would erase. <laughs> that's incredible. So it really was just Stephen King's divine intervention. <laughs> <laughs> That's that is really cool. So cool. Yeah. I know all the best art is supposed to come out of pain, but um, this was just like a lot of bliss and jellyfish. <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of beauty can come out of bliss and jellyfish. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That almost sounds like a, a title of a poem. I'd read a poem called Bliss and Jellyfish. Okay, I'm going to write that down. Mm -hmm. Then I'm going to go to Dave's shelves. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Grab the Hobbit and um, a Stephen Just King. Just go to town. Yep. <laughs> uh, Francis, having persevered through Dave's new work, we come to uh, what is soon to be a permanent fixture on this podcast. Forever and ever, it will be recorded in time. And God help us all. Yes, it is your bad poetry. <laughs> So I'm looking here and we have three to work through. Mm -hmm. If we can get past the first one, which I don't know if we'll survive. It's pretty long. <laughs> we might need to dedicate our evening to the mask. By far the worst of the three. Here's your, your job. Your job is to, as you're listening, see if you can guess how old I was. 
I love this. Okay. <laughs> when I wrote this. <laughs> this feels very high school assignment to me. <laughs> oh, if only. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're giving hints. Okay, let's go. <laughs> okay. okay, sorry, sorry, sorry. Okay, okay. <clears throat> the mask. In front of the stage, the audience members are walking in, rustling like an assortment of noisy leaves programs and tissues and their own expectations for the show that is about to commence. High in the air above the show that is about to commence, black attired shadows dance and vanish, their only task to create the frame for the picture that will be presented to the forest of leaves scattered in the seats. Hidden from the audience in the seat, the actor clothes himself in wine-tinted shadows in the wings. In a moment, the music will start and his feet will walk him to the stage. On the stage, his lips will smile, his voice will boom, his arms will sweep the broad gestures of a broom. What the audience will never know is that none of these things, these actions, these words are the actor's true nature. They are the mask. Yes, the mask the actor wears, the one he dons each night before stepping onto the stage to entertain, to amuse, to send the audience home satisfied, to send the audience home with the satisfaction he himself cannot seem to find for himself. Each night when he steps off the stage, the actor removes his mask, removes his costume, sets his actor's shoes in their designated place and leaves for the home where no one demands he put on a show. And yet one night, one night when he exits the stage, the mask will not come off. I just, what are actors' shoes? <laughs> As someone who's been in very many bad musicals, uh, actors' shoes are comfortable shoes you can dance in, oh, right? Okay, okay, there you go. Huh. <laughs> Mystery solved. Oh, yeah. What I'm getting from this poem, I'm hearing inspiration from the silver screen, from the movie, mm. The Mask. I'm assuming this is... Uh, <laughs> A response to, I believe it's Ben Stein's monologue to Stanley Ipkiss about wearing masks. Am I completely wrong? Oh my goodness, Dave. So you're not thinking the the Sir James Carey, uh, that the mask. No, no, no. I'm not cultured. (laughs) Jim Carey is all I've got, you guys. Oh, okay. So your age, your age. Um, whoo. Uh, you said if only you were in high school, which makes me want to skew a little higher than I would guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm gonna go uh, nineteen. I, so, somewhere around there. How old are you when you're? Oh, sorry. Well, now I know it's nineteen. <laughs> <laughs> so to be a contrarian, I'm going to say thirty-two. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the worst. <laughs> so, how old are you when you're like a sophomore going into junior in college? <laughs> yeah, that'd, that'd be like 19 20. Or twenty, right? Okay. Yeah. So, I this was the first poem I ever wrote. Oh, wow! <laughs> I know this is like <laughs> the first the first draft of the first poem I ever wrote. And it is shocking that the universe didn't just like lightning strike right there. (laughs) Hmm. Like, nope, that's enough out of you. (laughs) 
So I, I went to college for education and majored in English as well. And everybody had to do a thesis like most colleges require. Um, but I was going to have to be doing a thesis like at the same time that I was student teaching 40 hours a week. So mm. I, I, yeah, right. So I didn't want to do anything research based. So I thought, you know, it would be easy poetry, <laughs> even though I had never written any before. <laughs> yeah. I used to think writing poetry was easy. <laughs> right. So this was the first draft of one of my like application poems. <laughs> That I mm. sent to the thesis advisor to like to be like, look, you should let me spend an entire semester writing original poetry. And and um, um, I'm curious, what was the feedback on this? Um, I think the feedback was like, let's never speak of this again. <laughs> <laughs> and let me give you some some actual poetry to read. <laughs> so so and, and God bless this man, Doctor Asarno. Uh, who is now, you know, retired from the university that I went to, but still a, a great mentor of mine. I, I honestly think, because I, I don't think the other two poems were much better than this, uh, but I think he liked me. And I don't, you know, maybe he was like, maybe we can like make this less terrible. <laughs> there's there's the potential to go from <clears throat> just the absolute landfill that is this, that is this poem to, you know, your, your kitchen garbage. So, so I, I wish that I had the, the revised version of it. All I have is the first draft. Well, that's all the better for us. <laughs> because it really, I, I just think, and I know that this is a podcaster of visual medium, so this is not, you know visible to to the audience but but please describe it to our dear listeners yeah so so this is um they're very short lines Mm -hmm. and i did not at the time know what poetic lines were for i just thought that you just kind of started a new line so almost every line ends on a either an article Mm -hmm. or a conjunction so it's like in the first stanza, in the front of the stage, the audience members are <laughs> program and because I just didn't, I didn't know what lines were for. And so I, I just was just like, well, time to hit enter. <laughs> if it helps, Aaron still doesn't know I what still lines don't know what lines are for. If you want to enlighten me, um, <laughs> because I think uh, it, uh, having read New and Permanent, you do some masterful line breaks. I mean, there is beauty on that page and this is not that. So what did you, what did you learn along the way? What do you look for in a line break? That clearly isn't this. Actually, one of the first things that this, this mentor of mine did was make me sit down and read James Longenbach's Art of the Poetic Line, which I would highly uh, advise, Mm. you know, advise anyone to read. But really, so what I came out of that with is the idea that the line is your tool for directing your reader's attention and getting to control where their focus goes and which words they're really paying attention to either at the the end of that line or the beginning of the next line. And then of course there's all of the like creating ambiguity, you know, you can break a line in a certain way that you're creating just a little bit of ambiguity as to uh, what your original intention is. It mm-hmm. might be the case that you're like 
kind of in inverting expectations in a way by establishing something with a line that feels complete and then continuing the sentence in mm. in the next one. But really a lot of what I'm paying attention to with Lion is, is that attention? What words am I most interested in having people pay attention to? Because I'm a control freak. <laughs> so, so words like the, are, like, noisy, oh, and yeah. own, the, too. <laughs> <laughs> Those ones, the important ones. Very yeah. vital words. <laughs> and then honestly, my, one of my other things with lines, and this is something that I'm like trying to break myself out of, but I like a uniform stanza. I like lines mm. of similar lengths. Mm. And it bothers me when one is way longer or way shorter. So sometimes I will change an entire line around or reword it so that it can be similar lengths. And I'm trying I'm trying to kind of unlearn that. Interesting. Because even this first one, you could put almost a ruler to the back end of these lines. <laughs> it's just always been my it's been my driving, driving motivation. Yeah. Fascinating. So I'm also seeing this this line. It stood out to me right away. It spoke <laughs> deeply. I don't even know where to start the line because there's so many breaks. Uh, <laughs> to send, uh, it's, uh, I think, the middle stanza here, um, close to the end. To send the audience home with the satisfaction he himself cannot seem to find for himself. That oh, The reflexive yeah. nature of himself being reflected in the <laughs> repeat of the word himself. <laughs> Certainly not a mistake. Of course not. <laughs> no. Also, though, like, I cannot emphasize at, you know, whatever, 19 or 20, how zero bad things had happened in my life. Like, <laughs> just none. Just smooth sailing all the way. And so I think I was very invested in the way that a lot of teenagers, early young adults are in this idea that, like, real art comes out of pain. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and there's pain somewhere. So, you know, manufacturing that, right? But yeah, definitely not only just the the repetition, but really the, uh, oh no, what's the word that I want? <laughs> Pomposity? Whoa. Is, is that what I'm looking for? I have I no know. clue. Um, I like it. I think it fits well. <laughs> just this very, like, the, the depth of he's... He's so sad, but no one knows it. <laughs> I was laughing around that as well, just because the story or joke about the the guy who goes to see the doctor and says, I, I'm really depressed. I need something to lift my spirits. And the doctor says, go and see this clown and uh, he, he'll he'll make you laugh. He makes everyone laugh. And the man says, doctor, I am that clown. Ah, yes. Yeah. I, I, I don't remember the story. But there's also a Jack mm -hmm. Handy version of it where he says, you know, like a really good story, uh, a clown who's really sad. He makes people laugh, but he can't really control his own emotions. Also, he has explosive diarrhea. <laughs> what? Jack Handy, you guys. I have not thought of Jack Handy <laughs> in probably 20 years. What I'm here for. <laughs> it's going to be my next collection of erasure poetry. will be Jack Handy version. <laughs> Yes, please. <laughs> Coming soon. Explosive diarrhea. Yes. <laughs> so I think in, in that same stanza, Aaron, that you were looking at, <laughs> my favorite part is the ellipses. Yes. <laughs> yes. We love ellipses on this show. <laughs> before, before the single word line of they are the mask. <laughs> in case you didn't get it from the title, folks, mm -hmm. mask is... Very important in this poem. 
<laughs> and it's a metaphorical map. <laughs> because you see. <laughs> you mean it doesn't just get stuck on his face one time and he just gets that's the other thing that I like look back and I'm like, what was I thinking? Because this just ends. The the ending here, it feels like it's trying to be like a, a dark twist. Yes. And I'm not sure what what is exactly twisted about it. But in, in like Batman lore, there's always like the one bad day, um, how it how the Joker became the Joker. Mm. And this last stanza it just feels like an origin story to the Joker. <laughs> The only thing I can think of, and I don't know, you know, I don't remember anymore what the inspiration is, but I just keep thinking, if you keep making you that face, your face is going to get stuck that way. <laughs> I think I was reading this the exact opposite way. Oh, oh. I, I was taking this as like, he's entertaining, amusing, and setting the audience home satisfied because of his mask. Well, you thought like a, like a, like a literal mask? Well, no, no. But like one night he goes home... And he has become that mask. He has become that happy, entertaining whoever. So he embraces the the entertainer. Yeah. Huh. Oh. I, I mean, guess I'm just a really positive person. <laughs> I, I'm not you know, at all like, a pessimist. Like, I'm not. I don't struggle with depression. Response theory: the author is dead. All that, but yeah, yeah. That's not what it was. <laughs> <laughs> That was not the intention. The intention was definitely more, I, I believe, right. transporting back to 20-year-old me was Aaron's, like, twist. Yeah. That one night. Oh, there's the return of the ellipses, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. For effect, you see. <laughs> it's also the return of the seminal classic, The Mask, with Jim Carrey, because he couldn't take yeah. the mask off, you guys. Well, no, but the return, right? the 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 sequel was um um oh what was that guy's name? You shut your dirty mouth. There was no sequel. No, there was a sequel, Dave. It was <laughs> Jamie Kennedy. Oh yikes! Oh really? Yeah. Wow, what a step down. Yeah, the oh, that's Jamie- a strong yeah. choice. Son of the Mask. That's what it was called. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Oof. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so are we saying this um? This is giving us some Son of the Mask vibes? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm mean, but I'm not that mean. So I also, as you can probably tell from this, spent a lot of time in bad community theater theater productions. And sometimes when I was not, you know, visible to the audience quality, I was like stage stagehand quality, dressed in all black, moving the chair out on stage. Yes. Actually, I do... Now that you point that out, the black attire's shadows dance and vanish their only test to create the frame for the picture. That is actually a really nice image. <laughs> well, and then you kind of reuse it a little later. The actor clothes themselves in wine-tinted shadows. Listen, if an image is good once... Repetition, repetition. <laughs> it's better twice. Repeat it ad nauseum. <laughs> yep. If you take away nothing else from this podcast, it's reuse images as much as possible. <laughs> actually, that's very true. Have you heard our episodes... <laughs> patron saints uh yeah so here's the thing this is probably going to be like potentially more embarrassing than the very first poem i wrote this is from this was a final draft from the thesis that i produced oh okay yeah like it was delivered to my thesis advisor and he like 
immediately opened a bottle of whiskey and (laughs) 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 tried to forget. (laughs) It is hard to emphasize how proud of myself I was. Even better. (laughs) For this. Just for the the visual learners out there listening, which why are you listening to a podcast? But um, (laughs) for for the visual learners, this is a prose poem. So no good line breaks here. Okay, patron saints. We have minor saints like the Greeks had minor deities, the kind that didn't get included in the books and stories. Anthony the bus driver was one, saving me six bucks a week while I rode Route 44 free of charge. One day he was gone, probably pulled away by a wife who worried too much about college girls, tired of being patron saint of loneliness, of solitary glasses of wine on Friday nights. I imagine her name is Mary, and when I think that, she becomes patron saint of all women, mothers, daughters, even college girls who would flirt with a bus driver to save a few dollars. She has her own daughter who works washing dishes, not feet, at a diner on Hawthorne for $7.50 an hour. By now she has a technique, adding one part lye soap to every four parts disappointment until she is bicep deep in dishwater, surrounded by her mother's loneliness and the crust of grilled cheese that floats past her elbow. Sometimes she splashes the water to remind herself that she is there, to hear the wetness echo off the tile walls. As she works, the grimy soap bubbles are constantly in view, showing her reflections of her father and mother of herself, showing her reflections of me or someone like me. I just, just so none of us get sued, please don't put lye soap in anything that you're, you're going to burn your skin. Yeah. (laughs) Really, please don't do that. Lye soap should not be mixed with water. Nope. Do not. It's one reason why pastors, if you're out there, do okay. not mix wood ash, palm yeah. ash, or wood ash with water when you're doing Ash Wednesday. Because it has lye in it? It can produce a form of lye that will literally burn people's faces. Oh, that's the real Joker origin story. <laughs> <laughs> Want to know how I got this scar? <laughs> <laughs> not even one of the good crosses it's like (laughs) (laughs) yeah just that like smudge that no one knows what it is (laughs) oh wow well much like that tangent this poem took us on a journey and and i'm not quite sure how we ended up where we did no because we started with saints like minor deities and anthony the bus driver was one and you were the bus rider, I assume. Yeah, like, just that, as I read this, just the absolute, like, self-centeredness <laughs> <laughs> found only in people who have just entered their 20s. <laughs> yeah. Like, just the breathtaking self-centeredness of, I bet the bus driver thinks I'm hot. <laughs> That's why I have a discount. <laughs> That's why. And now suddenly we end up at the very end with a uh, dishwashing daughter of the bus driver. Mm-hmm. I, I could barely choke out the the like line. Again, so proud of myself where I was like, and his wife's name is Mary. Oh, my God. I was so proud of myself. So undeservedly. Oh, wow. I also really think, and I don't know why I think this, but I really think at the time when I was writing this, I like 
I thought this was pretty subtle. And like, will people get the religious <laughs> references? I don't know. We don't use saints to talk about religion. Especially. There's a reference to someone washing feet in here. Everyone and you know, of, of all the patron saints, the patron saint of all women, they don't know that's Mary, right? I mean, that's really subtle. <laughs> this is this is something I've made up. It's a new thing. <laughs> this isn't already a thing. Oh, wow. Why the lie soap? Why in the world did you go with I- I see. I, I I don't know. I think <laughs> if I had to guess, my theory is that one of the thing, one of the directions that I was continually given by this this, as you can see now, long suffering thesis <laughs> advisor of mine, was yeah, this poor man was was really a push towards specificity, like specific details. Don't just say a random assortment of leaves. Like be specific. <laughs> Noisy leaves. Just be specific in your details. And so I think my guess would be that I was trying to like be specific in the detail in a way that wasn't like a soap brand. Sure. You didn't want to give free sure. advertising. And instead I went for something that is going to... Yeah. I know, right? <laughs> Dawn, what have you ever done? Save <laughs> duck. Save, Save ducks, ducks. Yeah. yeah. And instead, I went for the kind of soap that will burn your skin all the yeah. way out. Yeah, mm-hmm. good time. And makes a delicious Swedish fish <sighs> that the Swedes don't even eat. We we made like lye soap in uh, in middle school science. Really? Yes, my middle school science was really weird. I think that's pretty. It was cool. like half half survival skills, half making soap. Apparently, <laughs> sorry, but wetness echo off the tile walls. Gross, right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. You can't unhear that. <laughs> <laughs> so my apologies to everyone who had to, but if I have to live with it, so do you. No, I, I love it. I don't know what you guys are complaining about. I love that line. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I think that's a really good line. The, the other one I really love in this is the surrounded by her mother's loneliness and the crust of a grilled cheese <laughs> that floats past her elbow. <laughs> Specificity. Specificity. I love it. See, now the question is whether her mother's loneliness is also a crust of grilled cheese. I believe it is. Two things can be true. <laughs> yeah. Depends on how you parse the sentence there. Mm-hmm. Also, isn't Anthony the saint for lost things? Of lost uh, things. Yeah. So you went with loneliness here. I'm sure. I, I That was an intentional choice as well. I just... Cannot tell you why. It's something to do with the lostness. Because I was finding myself on that bus. By flirting with a bus driver. <laughs> I was finding my one great skill flirting with a <laughs> Follow my Instagram account where I hit on people who would just like to be left alone. Please. <laughs> They're just doing their job, Francis. <laughs> <laughs> just trying to work this toll booth, please. I know you have exact change, but it's not hot. <laughs> you should take your fingers out of my mouth. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I'm learning so much about high school teaching. Oh, no, I'm sorry. That's my side. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I got you. I got you. I got you. Oh, we've had one other uh, high school English teacher on, uh, Mitch Nobis. Oh, yeah. 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 And I asked him if he had a poem come across his desk similar to, to some of his stuff uh, uh yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> um how would 
uh, how would he grade it? And he's like, honestly, you, if it's clear they've put in the time, it would probably it would probably get an A. It's a passing grade. So, do you teach poetry in your class? And um, obviously, you do with your Erasure Poetry. Yeah. So I teach a section of creative writing, and I actually I, I work at a private school, so I have a lot of leeway with what I do. But I got to kind of write my own standards for the creative writing class. And what I ended up going with was just because I know kind of how high school kids process that if they were graded on the quality of their work it would really like kind of shut them down because the first time they get a c on a poem they're like well i'm bad at this Mm. so all of the assignments are assessed on like completion but also just the process of like building drafting skills or building revision skills or building like workshopping skills so they're not graded on the quality it's really more about like, can I see, <clears throat> can I see the drafting process? Can I see the revisions that went into this? Sure. See, and that's a good thing to explain to others because I know I avoided creative writing stuff through high school and college because I am not a creative person in that way. And so I did all of like mm-hmm. the literary criticism classes and I really loved those, but I was terrified of having anyone read anything of mine. Because I had read what I had written, and I knew how bad it was. (laughs) And that's the thing, too. Still, I think I, like, whenever someone else is reading my writing or when I'm, like, doing a reading for myself, I'm very much in this, like, limbo of, like, anticipation and terror. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, both I would like you to hear this poem, but also I don't wish to be perceived. Yeah. So... Yeah, so no, so I absolutely get that. But I actually was kind of thinking as I was looking at the ellipses, one of my former creative writing students did like love cycle, a cycle of love poems for her, um, for her portfolio, like going through a breakup that she was like in the middle of. And then finding finding new love. And and there were a lot of these like creative spacing and use of ellipses. The Best punctuation ever. <laughs> the best punctuation you could ever use. A lot of like, and the girl in the mirror is dot, 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 five spaces, <laughs> me. Yeah. Just that, you it know. Builds for effect. <laughs> it does. Built suspense. <laughs> now, you were just talking about how even in your current work, you you have that like, or you want people to hear your work and you're also, I mean, self-conscious or, or, or terrified, I think is the word you said. <laughs> when I was reading through New and Permanent, first of all, I couldn't pick a favorite. But in The Bower and The Roses Hang So Heavy, it's so upfront. It's hilarious because it's like a poem about depression and yet you're being so self-referential about like how you can't write poetry about depression straight up. And I'm wondering, how did you construct that one? And is that one that you would read to an audience? Yeah. So that's actually, um, that is kind of one of my go-tos for reading. Nice. Yeah. (laughs) Because it does get such a positive response generally. Um, And it is a little bit lighter. I mean, it's a poem about (laughs) depression, as you said, but it is uh, humorous. Um, and so because it is humorous and I think like kind of analytical about what poetry is often doing, it does tend to get positive responses. So that was one where 
the the initial drafting process was me just literally writing down the line I'm depressed <laughs> and then kind of sitting <laughs> listen these are these are the inside tips <laughs> <laughs> try try it sometime uh, but uh, and and then just kind of sitting with that and thinking about like the ways in which kind of poetry was presented to me as a student often as this like puzzle to crack and like there was a secret meaning and and if you like worked hard enough and decoded enough of the clues you could find the secret meaning which <clears throat> i think is a less fun way to approach reading any kind of literature but poetry especially instead of for enjoyment but as like a puzzle to solve and so in that in that piece i was kind of playing with like in in a humorous hopefully way like how how do you approach when you're working through some mental health issues <laughs> number one engaging with the writing process but also uh writing something that's perceivable or, or understandable to other people yeah right um also i mean uh, when i'm writing stuff that's like that includes jokes a lot of it is just what do i find funny i'm gonna put that <laughs> in there it's a joke that i like and if nobody else likes it okay i love it i think um yeah it's, it brings personality to the page Rather than a mask that one must decode. <laughs> that one is not able to pry off your face because of the the burned on by lye soap. <laughs> <laughs> now that's a terrifying story. Well, Francis, before we go down any other <laughs> rabbit holes, I do want to plug once more New and Permanent, which is available for purchase on a pay-what-you-want slash donation-based <laughs> pricing through Blanket C Press. With 10% of Blanket C Press's proceeds going to the Little Timmy Project. Do you want to say anything about what the Little Timmy Project is? Yeah. yeah. One of the, the really wonderful things about working with Blanket C is that you get to select a charity that part of the proceeds go to. Um, and so the Little Timmy Project is an organization in Indiana that's working to reduce the Black maternal mortality rate, mm. which Indiana uh, shamefully <clears throat> has a very high maternal mortality rate in general, but also for Black women specifically. And so their organization is working to really increase maternal outcomes for Black women and also they do a lot of training for uh, doulas oh, to cool. try and, yeah, to just try and make uh, birth for everyone in the state of Indiana a little bit better. That's um, wonderful. So they're, they're a really great organization. That's yeah. really wonderful that <laughs> you can get some mm -hmm. good poetry and you can also help people. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Well, before we sign off, we truly hope that you don't erase the memories that you have with us here. Yawn, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> Let me get through these days. Nope. I love this. <laughs> but if you do erase any of it, we pray that it will at least make another amazing poem. Speaking of which, here at My Bad Poetry, we end each week with the words of a true poet. So would you be willing to share one of your, shall we say, real poems with us? Yeah, so I guess I can I can read uh, the one that you referenced. Sure, definitely. If that yeah. works. So this is a poem from my, my chapbook, New and Permanent. It is called, In the Bower, the Roses Hang So Heavy. I am depressed and... Wait. A poem can't just say, I am depressed. The poem has to be coy and oblique. For God's sake, it has to be literary. The reader should leave the poem wondering if it is about depression. They should say to a friend, here, read this poem about depression, and have the friend disagree, since the poem seems to be much more about 
two fish or a diner going out of business or Brexit. The poem should be cutting, incisive. It should expose the ugly underbelly of society. Yet the poem should also be beautiful, should describe leaning against the cool glass of the car window, tracing the path of a lone raindrop. The chill condensation should be crafted with such crystalline clarity that the reader is left thinking that depression can't be all that bad if a depressed person can write a poem like that. For contrast, the poem about depression should have lots of light in it. Early morning light, midday light, anything except the waning twilight of evening, which is too on the nose. In a pinch, the poem about depression can go outside, although it doesn't really feel up to it. The poem can gather plants for its metaphors, can braid a crown of ivy for the green it lends to the lines the poem has about envy, about laying motionless on the lawn while the grass grows around it. Ideally, the poem will also include one devastating stanza about a bower of white roses, although it doesn't know where it will find one, and the botanical garden closes early on Sundays, and getting there means pants and glasses and keys and, oh god, it's so much simpler to just put on Grey's Anatomy and write about the bower later, maybe? When the poem about depression ends, it should be on a hopeful note, because no one likes a whiner. The poem should end at sunrise or on a new budding branch or a bacterial culture persevering on the dishes in the sink that should have been washed a week ago. By no means should the poem simply end by refusing to change its bra and taking the whole sleeve of Oreos to bed, but it will anyway. <laughs> That's beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. And if you enjoyed um, Francis reading that poem, the audiobook is also available through Blanket Seat. Yeah, I was able to to read the audiobook to the whole thing, which was another really uh, enjoyable, trippy experience too. Nice. <laughs> I imagine so. Yeah, I I love that poem. Thank you. That was just so fun. It is a little funny to me that uh, we we started with a poem about wearing a mask. And then that poem is a little bit about masking your own depression in mm. different ways. So mm -hmm. works well, works well. See, full circle. Sunrise, full circle. Sunrise sunset. <laughs> this has been My Bad Poetry. Now go write some of your own bad poetry. Nailed it. Beautiful. Reading comprehension. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, let me stop the recording. Rhyme free, doesn't matter, doesn't matter, doesn't matter.